Hello to you people in the future who are listening to another episode of Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me today. Over the last few months, I've been honored to bring you great guests like Jason Gray, Sarah Groves, Michael Card, Andrew Peterson, Trip York, and Brian Zahn, just to name a few. It's been my pleasure to bring these podcasts to you, the listener, free of charge. The fact is, though, that there are operating expenses when you do a show like this, so rather than make this a paid podcast, I wanted to give the listeners a chance to help out. The Voices in My Head audience has grown exponentially since I began broadcasting in January of 2012, and there are people who listen from all over the globe. Because of this, and because I want to keep the podcast free, I'm offering you a chance to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head. Maybe you'd like to dedicate a show to a family member with a message for their birthday, or maybe you'd like to honor a loved one with some sort of special greeting. Perhaps you just want to showcase one of your websites or a business. So to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head, simply send me an email with your ad to rljames29 at yahoo.com. If I approve your ad, then I'll let you know in a follow-up email. Then simply go to rickleejames.com. Click on the tab that says Tip Jar, Podcast Sponsorship, follow the link to PayPal, and then leave your donation or sponsorship amount. If it sounds like a lot, then just send me an email and I'll talk you through the steps. Thank you again for listening to Voices in My Head, and enjoy today's episode. I honor the Holy One inside you. Namaste. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head. The official podcast of Rick Lee James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Hello, welcome back to episode number 31 of Voices in My Head. I am Rick Lee James. I'm your host here today. I want to remind you right at the top of the show, we are just a little over a month away from my very first live album recording at the Clifton Opera House here in Clifton, Ohio. I'm very excited about this event brought to you in cooperation with Out of Truth Records, who will be recording and releasing this album and also through Voices in My Head Productions. I may even try to do a live podcast at the Opera House during the evening of the live event. And uh, I'm trying to do a little bit of sharing between now and then to help you hear some of the songs that you might be hearing at that time. And I, I want a lot of like audience participation. There's going to be times throughout the evening where I invite you to sing along. Plus, we need a good energy in the room for the recording because we're going to be having mics in the audience. So for applause and just a a general feel, and we need to get um, the place packed for that night. It's going to be a great event. Go to rickleejames.com for more details on that. It's going to be just me, my acoustic guitar, and a loop machine. So I can record a lot of stuff on the spot and uh, play along with that. It's going to be a much more... Uh, much more indicative of what my live shows are like than uh, the albums that I've done in the past because obviously those are with full bands and I'd say probably you know 85% of my shows are just me and a guitar because it's really expensive to travel with a band. Um, so here's a song you're going to hear that night. We've been singing it uh, at my church some. It's Psalm number eight, and um, how majestic is your name? One of my favorites. So I'm just going to play this for you to start the show today. How majestic is your name? Psalm eight. Oh, Lord, 
majestic is your name, oh Lord, I'm Lord, how majestic is your name, how majestic is your name, how majestic is your name and all the to the Clifton Opera House. Now that Yahweh part, because it is uh, obviously an Old Testament passage, 
um, that's actually going to be an echo that I'm going to be teaching the audience. So I'll just be singing, you know, the Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. But the idea is to get the audience singers to come in singing Yahweh and just uh, singing the name of God from the Hebrew books, from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, uh, which are really the folk songs of the Bible. I mean, seriously, there's a great book, actually, that's about folk songs of the Bible. Uh, I should have researched more and found out who the author was, but it was a big inspiration into me writing uh, the songs for this album. And they're just some great worship tunes. I'm calling it Basement Psalms because over 60% of the psalms, as I believe you're going to hear about today in the podcast with Adam Powers, uh, are these laments. Um, they're crying out to God. So don't get me wrong, not everything's going to be, um, you know, laments uh, in that night. There's a lot of praise, a lot of... Uh, upbeat things too but there are these like you know lament type songs you know one example is uh you know we sing this song as the deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after thee and really that song that the the tune does not fit that is a lament psalm it is a crying out to god desperately song like a person's life is just hanging on the edge and they're crying out to god and so like just an example i've written kind of a lament uh, almost kind of a rocky blues type. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, the living God, the living So, you know, maybe I'll share more of that in the future. But, you know, there's a lot of, like, kind of, uh, you know, bluesy stuff that come into that. Because, you know, I love blues, and psalms are a great way, you know, to lament with bluesy-type music that just really gets into the, you know, the guts of what a person's feeling. And, you know, there's times that, you know, the psalms, for me, have been my prayer book. I mean, that I don't have anything else to pray, and it's a communal prayer book. So this night's going to be a whole lot better if we can get lots of people there um, to sing the praises of God, to sing our laments to God even, and, and uh, you know, just to, to say, Your love will be my song. And uh, it's actually one of my, my favorite songs on the new uh, project, doing the basement songs. Just This chorus is just simple. Your love will be my song. Your love will be my song. Your love will be my song. song today but just little little bits of previews of what you're going to hear when you come out you know and praise the lord in the sanctuary praise the god up in the skies praise the lord for his mighty deeds for his greatness now we sing 
Praise him on the harp, praise him on the lyre, praise him with the, you know, and then we just go through Psalm 150 and all these different things to praise the Lord with, you know, and we get into this, let everything that has been praise the Lord, let everything that has been praise the Lord. So, you know, that's just a little little taste and glimpse. Maybe I'll share some more full songs next week. But just want to give you a taste of basement psalms. If that whets your appetite at all, if you want to come out and hear kind of, uh, you know, Rick Lee James' take on the psalms and some worship songs, some ways to sing and, and praise together, it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, I'm going to be using a loop machine and, and trying to make it big and fun that night. So enough of the advertisement, but go to rickleejames.com for more information on that. Uh, I'd love for everybody that can to be a part of it. It's a $7 donation, um, and and the reason we say it's a donation is I really, I, I my hope, I haven't talked with the uh, the people who run the theater yet. It's actually their fee, not mine, um, to get in, and it helps with recording costs. The theater keeps half of it, and uh, the other half of it is going go to go to help cover the recording. It's an expensive endeavor um, to do something like this. So if people want to be a part of the event, if they can swing $7. If they can't, I'm going to do my best to get you in anyway because I just want everybody to be there that possibly can. And we'll eat the cost if we have to. But um, it really is going to be a great evening together. So get the word out to your friends as much as you can. It's Clifton, Ohio, one of the coolest old opera houses in the state. Uh, maybe one of the oldest buildings in the state, actually. They've done some wonderful renovation to it, and I'm just so excited. We're like a month away, and I can't wait to, to unveil all these songs because this is going to be uh, really one of the first times uh, that I've ever played all of them, and uh, especially all of them together in a row in the context that they were meant to be written. Ten different psalms from the five sections of the psalms throughout Scripture. So hope you can be there for Basement Psalms. We're going to get on with the rest of the podcast now. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm so glad you could be here today. This just popped into my head. It's news to me. Well, news to me today, and that's sorry for that abrupt uh, change from one thing to the next, but news to me, I'm very excited to announce this. I'm a big J.R.R. Tolkien fan, and uh, for those of you that don't know Tolkien, that's the author of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and The Cimmerillion and all kinds of different tales. Uh, Farmer Giles of Ham is a short story. If you've never read Farmer Giles of Ham, I highly recommend it. It's not going to take you very long to read. Um, great, great story. One of the best that he ever did, I think. Well, the announcement this week that's news to me that's got me excited is Peter Jackson, who, of course, directed the first Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, you know, he's been working on this Hobbit film, and originally it was announced that someone else was going to direct it, and it seems like it's been held up for years in process. Well, then finally he decided he's going to direct it, and I think everybody was excited because he did such a good job uh, with the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings. And now for this prequel, which is The Hobbit, uh, he jumped back on board, he's directing, and he we, he announced initially it was going to be two movies, and the film this week just announced... That uh, comes over CNN two days ago. I think it's EntertainmentWeekly.com actually that CNN gets their reporting from. But it says Peter Jackson announces a third Hobbit film, 
And it says, apparently when it comes to Middle Earth, director Peter Jackson thinks three is the magic number. Last month at Comic-Con, Jackson teased fans with the idea that he was interested in pushing beyond his planned two-film adaptation of The Hobbit. Today, after weeks of intensive talks with Warner Brothers over how exactly that might be achieved, Jackson announced on his Facebook page that he is, in fact, going to turn The Hobbit into a trilogy. So I'm very excited about that. That means we get not uh, just one, not just two, but over the next three years, we're going to get three films again of The Hobbit. I don't know how he's going to turn that all into three books. I wonder if that means it's going to be like really comprehensive and very close to the novel because there's a lot in there. And, uh, you know, he turned uh, three you know, really great books, which were really one book originally, into three movies. And, you know, those of us that are fans of the book thought, you know, he had to cut a lot out to uh, to even make those movies. So he probably could have made like nine movies out of those first ones. So I don't know about you, but that's news to me, and I am excited about it here this week. So uh, cheers, Peter Jackson. I'm excited to have you back again, you little hobbit you. Thanks so much for bringing this to all the fans. This just popped into my head. It's news to me. Well, there's another segment on the show that I haven't done in quite some time just because it's been a busy summer and uh, been gone. and haven't had as much time to put into the podcast as I would like. Starting to get a little more of, uh, of time to do that here as summer is winding to an end. And uh, this one actually happened not to me but to my wife, and it's uh, that cherished segment that I <laughs> can only call Darn You Other Rick James. Darn You Other Rick James. Well, apparently yesterday, which uh, at the time of recording, that would make it Wednesday, uh, August 1st, um, my wife was on the phone with Discover, that credit card company, and uh, they were trying to put a credit card in my name. We've been married, you know, almost a year and a half now, and uh, believe it or not, we we have most things turned over, you know, into both of our names, but that was one thing that we still hadn't done. And so she's on the, the phone with the credit card lady, and... Uh, she says, "Well, I can go ahead and get a credit card made for your husband." And uh, she said, well, "Okay, I guess I guess we could do that. Have one made in his name." So she asked my name, and she, and my wife Jen actually says, "Rick, of course." And the lady pauses a minute and says, "Wait a minute, your husband's name is Rick James?" She goes, "Yep." I said, "Really?" I said, "Yep." And apparently, the woman on the other end of the line. Uh, had a good minute and a half of laughter over my name. So I'm glad that uh, that my name can bring such joy to so many of you. Uh, once again, thanks other Rick James from the 70s, and thank you Dave Chappelle for uh, making Rick James such a popular name again. Uh, but I'm Rick Lee James, thus that's the way life goes. So anyway, hope you enjoyed, enjoyed this darn you other Rick James moment. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Darn you other Rick James. Well, I was in West Virginia a few weeks ago and uh, met up with a guy named Adam Powers who was actually the guest on the show today. Really great guy. You're going to get to hear more from him in a few minutes here. But Adam, like I am, he's a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings books and everything. And I, I, we got kind of like singing the Lord of the Rings tune, you know. I don't know if it's the Shire tune or what it is, but you hear it several times throughout the movie. But da 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 da, and it hit me while I was listening um, as we're kind of you know humming that tune or whatever. That is 
those are note for note. This is my father's world from the hymnal. This is my father's world and to my listening ear. So I, I was kind of listening for that in the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, and I thought, who knows what hymns may appear in the next Lord of the Rings movie, in the next Hobbit movie or whatever. Uh, that really has no bearing on anything, but now it is time. You know what time it is. It's the time you've been waiting for. It's the time that you, the listener, get to put your input into the show. Yes, it is week of the question. I mean, question of the week. You'll see why I did my terrible Yoda voice in just a moment here on this next segment. Question of the week. That's right. We're at question of the week again. And the reason I did my Yoda voice is that we have a, a Yoda versus Gandalf question this week on question of the week i'm going to the facebook page right now so that i can see and uh, make sure i have all your answers together that's the wonderful thing about having uh, the internet on this computer where i'm recording from uh this week's question was was literally that simple it was who would win in a battle between yoda and gandalf and there were some some good comments this week um chad cook my friend from lexington kentucky thanks for listening to the show chad i appreciate it says i want to say gandalf but this one is really difficult, especially since I don't know what all Gandalf can do. I don't remember if the book was very clear on his power capabilities. And I should clear up that, you know, there are kind of two different Gandalfs in the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, there's there's Gandalf the White and Gandalf the Grey. Um, Gandalf the White is sort of uh, Gandalf resurrected. And he's, you know, there, there's not just one Christ figure throughout the Lord of the Rings stories. There's lots of them, and Gandalf is just at one particular time, personified is that uh, John Finney, uh, past podcast guest on the show, and actually is going to be on it again here in a couple weeks because we have Like a Child. He is one of their producers and engineer for their project, happened to join us uh, during a house show. Uh, John Finney, anyway, thank you for answering this week. He says Yoda simply because he is Yoda. And I don't know, maybe it's because backwards he speaks and you ever notice that yoda and grover on sesame street have the same voice interesting think about it well matthew cole thanks for writing in and listening matthew appreciate it it still has not missed one one of these weeks i don't know something's going to happen you're going to miss i don't want you to but it says wow this may be the toughest question of the week yet he he wrote q o t w and it threw me off for a second uh, toughest question of the week yet. I originally wanted to go with Gandalf, but since my resident Indiana fan says Gandalf, um, it made me think twice because while they can win, they can't seem to win when it matters. All digs on chat aside, I really like the character of Gandalf more, but if the question were Yoda versus Saruman, I would for sure go Yoda. And in a one-on-one, uh, Gandalf one-on-one, -on -one, Gandalf got whipped by Sauron. So in the end, Yoda and the lightsaber takes this one. Uh, so, all right. And sorry for those of you that are Hoosiers listening to this show that uh, got insulted by Matthew Cole. We don't necessarily share that view, but I, I'm not a sports fan anyway, so who cares? Anyway, um, Eric Shelley. Thanks. I, I think this is the first time Eric has uh, written in on the show, so thanks for sharing. Um, he has a comment and then a follow-up comment. says, yes. Gandalf did get whipped by Saruman, but Yoda was defeated by the Emperor. When Yoda died, he came back as a spirit. When Gandalf got, died, he came back as the more powerful Gandalf the White. 
Gandalf did what a Jedi merely boasted to Vader, if you strike me down. So uh, I'm going to have to go with G. I think that's short for Gandalf, obviously. So are you keeping track? I haven't really been keeping track. we got a Gandalf so far. we got a Yoda. we got a um, another Yoda. got another Gandalf. Uh, I don't know. I'll total it up later. Uh, Matthew says in reply to Eric, good point, Eric. And then William in Summer, England, uh, old high school friend. Thank you, William, uh, for writing in today and listening to the show. Says, I'm going to go with my little green friend just because Yoda rocks. So I think Yoda won this one. Uh, we actually uh, talk about it on the show a little bit today because, you know, the, the, the thing is, I got to talk a little bit about Adam Powers right now, but first I got to play the uh, question of the week outro, and then I'll talk about Adam Powers in a minute. I have a deeply spiritual concern about him I need to share with you. Question of the week. Well, my guest this week on the show is Adam Powers, and I need to share with you something that um, I don't know. I, I really looked up to this guy. You know, he just turned 29 years old. He's a few years younger than me. Can't hold that against him. He's got a lot of wisdom. He got his master's degree, and um, you know, he's a, a pastor in the PCA Church. Uh, pretty doggone good speaker and uh, all-around great guy. I didn't know Adam from Adam, so to speak, before this week. Um, I didn't mean that pun, but I, I actually did that twice now. Did it once at camp. But I have to share with you as great a guy as Adam is, and you're going to find out on the show, he's a brilliant guy. He's a blogger, pleasingpain.com. Um, well, that's not actually the, the correct website. I'll give it to you in a minute. But the thing that is concerned to me, and the reason I picked Yoda this week to ask Adam, is Adam has never seen the original Star Wars trilogy. And I don't know about you, but I have to question a man's faith um, and, and leadership as a spiritual person. Um, you know, if they, if they don't even know uh, one of the most telling cultural phenomenons that has a lot to do with spirituality. So I don't know if you agree with me. What do you guys think of that? Write me about Adam. And if you guys want to send me some comments to read about Adam on the show, about how that makes him um, kind of inferior to everyone else on the planet, uh, you know, send that in. Because Adam needs a little humbling every now and then. No. Hey, I'm kidding about Adam. Um, he actually has not seen this, the original. He saw, he saw like, episodes 1, 2, and 3, which all of us who know Star Wars know those don't really count. You know, episode 3, maybe. That's a pretty good one. But, uh, come on. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's my pleasure to, uh, to actually welcome Adam. Let me, let me tell you, really, some things about Adam that do matter. Um, it's very clear that... The Lord has touched Adam in a special way in his life. He has a neat testimony. He has great things to share, and he's a blogger, and uh, you're going to hear more about his blog in the podcast. He's written, I think, maybe thousands of posts now, and uh, his passion is preaching and uh, teaching and learning more about the Word of God. Uh, he's one of the great things that the Presbyterian Church of America has going for them, and uh, I really am, am very excited to bring you the conversation that I had with Adam. Um, it's it's great whenever I get to meet new friends uh, in, in just almost no time, and this, this is much more a testimony to Adam's personality and the generosity of who he is than it is to me. Uh, but I really didn't know him or very many people on the particular week that I was up working with him at this camp in West Virginia this year. 
and um, just it was a week where my wife wasn't able to come with me, and and the groups change every week, and I kind of thought, well, who am I gonna you know be able to hang out with this week? Um, you don't always click with people the way you would like to, and uh, and Adam and I just just seemed to really hit it off very quickly, and he brought his friend Dave up with him, and you know it was just a great time. I, I felt like we uh, we laughed so much, which is just. Uh, such a great thing to do together in the Lord, and I feel like we're going to be lifelong friends after, you know, like a week of hanging out together and hoping that we get to minister together in the future uh, as well. Uh, but Adam has some really good things to say. Um, I don't want to say we always agree. I'm much more of a Wesleyan. He's much more of a Calvinist, and maybe some of that comes out in our conversation. Um, but the thing is, in the body of Christ, uh, the thing that we have to agree on together is Jesus, and uh, that's our that's our point where we meet, and I, I love uh, being able to have discussion and debate and um, doing it in a godly way, and if we can't learn how to have dialogue together, then we're really in trouble, and um, and so that's what I appreciate so much about not only Adam, but lots of my friends over from other denominations. I have uh, numerous friends that are not Nazarene, and uh, you know I, I don't even know if I'm so Nazarene to the core. I'm much more about the body of Christ than I am a denomination. Uh, and I, I just so appreciate that we have common ground to come together and uh, be able to talk. So with all that being said, uh, just very impressed with Adam. I'm thankful for his friendship, and I'm thankful that I got a chance to have a, a what I feel was a very interesting conversation with him on some very interesting topics. We even get into whether or not C.S. Lewis was writing heresy or Christianity, and uh, being that J.R.R. Tolkien was one of, Tolkien, was one of uh, Lewis's best friends, and actually, uh, they, their friendship almost ended over the Chronicles of Narnia book. Uh, it's very interesting to have that conversation about C.S. Lewis because there are some things that C.S. Lewis wrote that are fantastic, and there are other things that maybe do write a little bit of the line of what we would, uh, I don't know if I'd call them heresy, but certainly maybe not Christianity. But, um, but he still has wonderful things to say. Adam has read every C.S. Lewis book for his master's course. So we get into some of that discussion. I'm going to quit talking now and let you guys hear from the man himself, Adam Powers. If you are enjoying the show, make sure you go to iTunes or to rickleyjames.com or the Facebook page, whichever one you want, leave us a comment. We, we love getting those reviews, especially on iTunes, because it helps to have more visibility. The more that we have, uh, uh, the more reviews, positive reviews we have, the more we're seen online. And I'm uh, just loving how much you guys are, are reciprocating and sharing this show and giving it to your friends. It's the only way we're going to be able uh, to keep doing it. I love bringing it to you weekly. Um, and anyway, that's just great. I'll talk to you more in a little while after the interview. But here is my interview with my good friend, Adam Powers. My guest today on Voices in My Head is Adam Powers. Adam serves in Stevensville, Maryland as an assistant pastor at Safe Harbor Presbyterian Church. He completed his Master's in Divinity at Reformed Theological Seminary in 2011 and runs an always insightful and sometimes controversial blog at adampowers.wordpress.com. The blog is called Pleasing Pain, and it's my pleasure to have Adam Powers with me today on Voices in My Head to talk about his blog, Pleasing Pain. Adam, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Rick. Well, before we get 
too in depth here with uh, with our discussion and uh, talking about your blog, which is a very uh, fascinating blog, Pleasing Pain. Uh, every week, I ask my listeners, or, or actually my listeners and my guests, the question of the week. And earlier this week, uh, Adam and I were talking, and uh, and by the way, we're broadcasting live from West Virginia today. Um, it won't be live when you pick it up, but we're live right now. <laughs> so we're, we're not dead at the time yes, of recording. True. We're both very much alive. Very true. Um, and so throughout the course of this conversation we were having the other day, I found out that you have never seen the original Star Wars films. Dreadful uh, confession. Dreadful. <laughs> and, and basically everyone that you've talked to that's found that out has basically um, decided that you're not quite the upstanding person that they thought you were anymore. Basically, I've been downgraded. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> none of your theological training, none of your service in ministry at all. Basically, you found out you could have skipped all that and just watched Star Wars, and you would have had you know a much higher opinion of yourself. Much smoother road with many people. <laughs> That's right. So the question today, because you, you, you do know who Yoda is, because you've seen... Now here's the travesty, folks. If if you're a Star Wars person, <laughs> he's seen the new Star Wars movies, but he's not seen the old ones. So um, the question of the week today, because I know that you love the Lord of the Rings books and oh, yeah. Tolkien and writing. So the oh, question yeah. of the week today is: uh, We're going back to a battle question. We used to always do questions like who would win between Superman and Thor, or pizza and waffles. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. Uh, never did that one actually. But today's question is. Who would win in a battle between Gandalf and Yoda? Now, this can be Gandalf the Gray or Gandalf the White. It doesn't say, matter. A huge, there's a huge, huge difference. factor there. You decide, but tell listeners which one you want it to be, White or Gray. Well, this is a big question. <laughs> but because I'm a Lord of the Rings fanatic, um, I know that Yoda is is small and agile and can jump around like he did in the well episode two episode two and three and three when who who was he fighting then i don't even know some some big guy with a gray beard i think technically they were bad guys count dooku duke dooku right <laughs> always makes me think of a dookie which is funny, <laughs> anyway know, right? <laughs> count dookie dooku, yeah <laughs> um that was a cool scene but yoda is old short and gandalf rose from the dead so, I think this is really a no-brainer to say Gandalf the White okay. would win. But if it was Gandalf the Grey, may not have a chance. I th I think Yoda would win. Hmm. What do you think about that? Well, I think a lightsaber trumps a staff. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. I, I forgot about that. I mean, I mean, if you have a stick that could just you know you could chop your finger off just by touching it, you know, yeah. uh, and dissolve you, that would be different. But if yeah. we're, I don't know, I, I think it's a very interesting question. I think I'd agree with you about the gray and the white is a big difference. Yeah. Um, of course, Gandalf grows a better beard than Yoda can. Yoda just has like stubble coming out of his ears. Yeah, it's, so. like, the, it's like the Asian wisdom hair. <laughs> exactly, right. Really so long. He's, and I always wondered about Yoda because I don't think he's being genuine because he walks around this cane like he can't walk and he's always like limping and you yeah. know, moving very slow and then when it comes to battle time he's like <laughs> like super ninja everywhere and then the battle's over and he's back on his cane again and he's walking like he's you know just two steps yeah. away from the grave and yeah. he can't move so one thing that may contribute to this conversation mm -hmm. is when Gandalf the White <laughs> enters in 
to the scene for the first time right. in the two towers mm-hmm. remember the second movie yeah. Aragorn's sword gets so hot he can't hold it Legolas's uh, arrow yeah. just doesn't even do anything and he, Gimli's axe yeah I think yeah. He, just, he just can't even get to it and it is no contest so what all. you're saying is Gandalf uh, turned Aragorn's sword into a lightsaber and he dropped it. He heated it up and <laughs> dropped it. So basically, uh, yeah, basically. I, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go with Gandalf on this because I'm a bigger Tolkien fan than I am Star Wars. Yes. So, um, listeners, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading on air what your responses are to this question. Hopefully, they will uh, be the same. Yeah, hopefully, but you never know. We got some some Star Wars people out there too yeah. that could probably make a case for Yoda. And on, on a similar subject, we both have Ewok dogs. Um, we do. Yeah, we both have Shih Tzus. Uh, and I, I, it was funny because I just met Adam this week. We're at a camp here in West Virginia where I feel like I'm spending my whole summer this year. <laughs> and um, we, we got talking and he said, I have a little Ewok dog. And I was like, Shih Tzu? And he, he was like, yep. Because <laughs> so, that's what I call my dog. What is your name? Louie. Louie? Mm-hmm. Lewis, if you want to be Lewis. formal. Lewis. If you, if that's when he's wearing his suit and tie. Oh, but, nice. You know, okay. When he's casual, he's Louie. <laughs> but what's your dog's name? Well, this is a funny seminary story. Uh, our dog is named Calvin. Okay. After John Calvin. All right. The theologian. Um, but I did not learn until I took my church history classes in seminary that the people that hated John Calvin the most that lived in Geneva where he was the pastor and they were dogs no I'm sorry <laughs> yeah right dogs hated John yeah, Calvin yeah they hated him <laughs> all the all the citizens who hated Calvin the most named their dogs after him hmm. and so it kind of made me chuckle that so you did it in honor <laughs> I of know, Calvin I was like oops <laughs> and someone said maybe maybe you should change your uh your dog's name to Pope Benedict or something like that. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, well, Calvinist that you are, you had no choice in the matter. True. You, you, <laughs> it was already done. <laughs> it was already. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I, I appreciate you being here to talk today. Adam has been uh, speaking this week, and he's a great preacher, and he writes this blog that's called Pleasing Pain. And as I said before earlier in this podcast, you can find this blog at Adam Powers. WordPress.com, or if you just do a Google search, you can just type in Pleasing Pain or Adam Powers, and it'll actually take you to his website as well. And one other thing about you personally before we get in, because you're also a big fan of the show 24. Oh, yeah. And and Adam has a 10-month-old son, and uh, it's interesting because... Um, I'm just about to have a child, so I'm, I'm meeting all these parents who have, you know, this godly wisdom to share with a soon-to-be father. <laughs> and we're going through names right now, and I found out uh, very first day that uh, Adam's son is named Jack because the character on 24 is named Jack Bowers. And Jack your son, Bauer. Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. And your son is named Jack Powers. Jack Powers. Because your last name is Powers, so... <laughs> That's pretty great. Yes. I'm, I'm going to name my son or daughter. Uh, doesn't matter. Either way, I'm going to name him Gandalf. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Not really, honey, if you're listening. Jealous. Um, <laughs> well, let's get into this. When I have authors on Voices in My Head, it's always a, a pleasure for me to get to hear some of the author's writings in their own words. 
And today, because we have limited access to the internet, uh, we actually brought up uh, Adam's blog um, on my phone, and so he's going to be reading it um, off of the phone today. So, uh, Adam, I believe you have picked a section that on your website was kind of controversial for whatever reason, uh, and I think it was called um, Coexist, maybe was the name of the blog, or do you have the name of it there? Yeah, yeah, this was, uh, there's some background to this. Um, I have only been a Christian for eight or so years. I became a Christian in college, uh, my sophomore year of college, and ever since that day, I've noticed the bumper stickers coexist, where every letter is a symbol of some type of faith, usually I mean there's a peace sign in there but mm -hmm. whatever and then there's also a new one that is spells out peace in different symbols of all sorts of things and I have hated these bumper stickers well, we're getting the strong language already hated it's getting controversial. And I use that word purposefully <laughs> right. all right because I think it's just extremely foolish and so I wrote this post Gosh, I don't know, when was this? This was a long time ago, and I have gotten a bunch of comments on here that are derogatory and saying that I don't understand it, and, well, I'll, I'll just read you this post, okay, and we can, we can talk about it. Let's hear it in your words, and, and we can decide whether it's kind of controversial or not. All right, so this is, this is what I say. I'm sure many of you have seen a bumper sticker that, in a clever manner, spells the words peace or coexist, or respect, that's, that's one of the newer ones, mm -hmm. with a various number of religious symbols. Though I think this sticker is a bad idea, not to mention philosophically impossible, I do think those who sport these stickers do so out of a genuine desire to quote-unquote just see people get along. But give me a moment to convince you why this sticker is foolish. Picture this. You and I are walking down the street and we see a blue car parked outside a pizza shop. You stop and say, hey, check out that cool new blue car. I respond, that's not a blue car, it's a yellow car. Obviously, you and I have just encountered a problem. You think the car is blue, while I think the car is yellow. Let's pause and point out a simple truth here. Either one of us is right, or we both are wrong. Notice how this implies the reality that we cannot both be correct at the same time because we have made contradictory remarks. Now let's bring this discussion back into focus. Our coexist friends would like us to believe that all religions are the same and that by realizing this truth, we will all just get along. Again, let me ask you, if one person claims that truth is this or that, while well, one person claims that truth is something else, who is right? Either one of them is correct or both are wrong. Two contradictory truths cannot be true at the same time. Muhammad, Buddha, Hinduism, Confucius, Bob Marley, and Jesus all claim that a certain truth is correct, yet their truths contradict each other. Thus, either one of them is right or all of them is wrong. My conclusion? Upon investigation of the so-called truths, one of them is true with a capital T, Jesus. So that was the end of the post. Okay. And uh, gotten a whole bunch of comments on there, but what, okay. what do you think about that? 
Uh, it's interesting. It's it's a. Uh, I actually have. I've seen the the bumper stickers before. I've never looked at them too closely. Can I have my phone back? Yeah. Or do you need it on there? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just gonna plug it in. There's very little power around here, so I'm just True. trying to make sure. True. Um, yeah, I've, I actually live very close to a, uh, a town where I see that bumper sticker a lot, Yellow Springs, Ohio. Yeah. Shout out to Superfly Comics and Games, because uh, I go there <laughs> every week and get that. And um, it's a very um, progressive, almost uh, hippie town, you know, I guess I would call it. So it's very much um, in the vein of, um, there's a lot of... Um, they would probably they would probably say uh, there's a lot of truths and a lot of my friends that are there that live in that community and things and I've never honestly looked at the the bumper sticker too closely but I think hearing the blog I understand the sentiment that you're saying and uh, the idea of um, is there such a thing as absolute truth versus is there um, I don't even know what else we call it. Is there a preferred truth or something like that? Is there a false truth? You know, <laughs> like yeah, right. which even that term, I guess, itself contradicts itself. Yeah. But a, a thought that came to mind when I think about this, because um, playing a little bit of a de devil's advocate here, which I sometimes like to do on the show, yeah, yeah. Um, when I think through the idea that we are in such a pluralistic society, and um, and, and let's just face it, one of the, the big problems in the world, and it's it's been a, a black mark on Christianity, has been religious violence through uh, of every kind. And um, and we have to own that as Christians even and say we have been wrong numerous times, you know, in our right. Christian. And, but so have other people. And so we've come to this point now where I think that everyone's afraid to say what truth is, you know. Because I think people look at truth differently. Would and see if you agree with this. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, some someone is going to look at truth and look at it like this. Uh, you might say pizza is the best food, and someone else might say uh, burgers are the best food, and someone else could say tofurkey is the best food. It's <laughs> it's doubtful that anyone would say that. Um, so if somebody says. You know, any of those foods are the best food. Okay, right. so and um, and where where you might ask what tofurkey is, you know, it's tofu turkey, and is and that it's, good? It's yeah. <laughs> answer the question, it, sir. Yes, it tastes like turkey, but it, it has the consistency of human flesh. I've had mm. it because I'm recently a vegetarian in the last few months. And Zombie so food. I've, I've, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's delicious. I love that. Zombie spam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I guess when I get back to the the point of where I'm where I'm making, um, I think a lot of people's perception of what truth is gets back to that what's true for them. It would would you would you think that that's oh, that is is it a correct assessment of what people's understanding maybe is of truth? Totally, okay. we live in a time where truth is is almost seen like you're going through the marketplace or the grocery where you walk down the aisle and you say I want some of this some of this I don't want any of that I can't handle that in my diet I do want some of this oh and I want some more of that too okay. and so you're going down like the the aisle or the marketplace of truth and you pick out the things that are delectable to right. you Right. And you add them into your cart and apply them to your life. And so it's truth suited to the person 
and we have grown in our culture very accustomed to that and this sticker in my opinion is clear evidence of this it typifies that yeah, yeah I mean it is just so it's really a matter of a an objective versus subjective sort of truth and I always get those two confused I believe objective is the absolute truth subjective is more based on personal, uh, personal experience yeah. and things so um, and, and that's it's a sticky wicket for our society because I think we're almost afraid um, at least people I know most people I talk to we're almost afraid to say what the objective truth is right. there's a lot of subjective truths that we'll say based on experience and let's let's get back to the food analogy or whatever yeah. if, if somebody says pizza is the best and it's going to be hard to refute that from somebody that doesn't like burgers when the other person that says burgers are the best food but if you had some sort of criteria to judge that by, like yeah. the best for what? For nutrition? For for flavor? For yeah. <laughs> you know? For yeah. certain ingredients? For be, the best for being the most fattening? Like what's the the yeah. criteria? So there is some sort of basis of this truth. So in order for for something to be true, um, I've had people on the show here in the past that that have done work a lot, like in in Muslim communities and things and. Um, and with um, Israelis and you know Palestinians and, and people who are coming from all different, I would say, subjective truths. They're coming yeah. from different paths, and and even you know Christians to a point. We can we can believe things wrongly, you know, yeah. and, and that can be. Uh, it's if there's no more evidence. Look at all the seminaries of different theological teachings. Um, I sit here a Nazarene, which is mostly rooted in Wesley. You sit there a PCA person, mostly rooted in a Reformed uh, theology, and yeah. not necessarily different. We agree on the main things, yeah. but our basically our schools of thoughts go different ways. So True. the whole the whole conversation is interesting, um, and it leads me to a discussion we had yesterday. Because um, we were talking about C.S. Lewis, oh, and yeah. you, I yeah. found it fascinating actually because you had a class. Was it in seminary that you, you had to go through every book that C.S. Lewis had written? Yes, I took a C.S. Lewis elective my senior year at Reformed Theological Seminary, and it was awesome. Hmm. Um, we had to read. I think it was most of everything. That he wrote most of all his really well-known stuff. So it was all his big books, everywhere from the Four Loves to Grief Observed to Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and so and everything in between. By the way, the Grief Observed probably my favorite. Just loved it. Yeah, went, yeah, it was good. Really went good. Sorry, but good. Um, so you went through this class where you had to read everything that C.S. Lewis had done, which yeah. is kind of a remarkable feat because he wrote quite a bit. <laughs> he um, did. <laughs> so, um, but we were talking yesterday, and, and I think maybe this would help with the discussion that we have because we're talking about truth, whether it's subjective, objective, whether it's a person's opinion on the matter. And I had said that my favorite Narnia book is The Final Battle. Is it the, the final last battle? battle? The last battle. See, I, it's so yeah. favorite to me that I don't even know the title <laughs> of it. But I read, I read all the books in basically one sitting because I was sick and I, I didn't feel like getting off the couch for about three days. So I actually, I literally like, I laid there and read the the entire yeah. Narnia thing. That'd be awesome. This, this was like when I was probably like twenty three or something. I was an adult at the time. Right. Uh, but the last battle, um, which I sometimes refer to wrongly as the final battle. Um, there was a scene that I remember thinking was beautiful and loved, and you <laughs> pointed out in your paper. You said, 
that's just like unchristian. You look I abhor, abhor this. You abhor this. So, abhor it. Okay. Well, let's talk about it because. Okay. Um, and and this is an interesting thing. By the way, this is not meant to offend C.S. Lewis fans because no, uh, great is, great respect for C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, one one of mine too. Um, there's obviously people. He wasn't a. Th- I mean, he wasn't a theology writer. I mean, he he tried and he did write some very profound things. Miracles, his his book, um, Miracles, is one of the most philosophical theological books I've ever read. Really, I haven't read that. It one, is so. astoundingly thick and hard to get through. But I I see Lewis's great gift as just being a person of. Maybe we'll call it a sanctified imagination. Oh, totally. I guess you totally. know. And I just, I just feel like we have, uh, we've really lost that. We let, we let other things do our imagining for us, and even our godly imagining. And so there's a scene that that I kind of see in the book as Lewis is. It's almost an exercise in in a Christian imagination. You know, like what could this be? Nobody really knows what the final judgment is. But there's a scene in this book where. Basically, Earth is being renewed. I mean, at the end, Aslan has has returned, and uh, you can probably remember the names better than I can. I remember really thinking it was cool at the time, but yeah. it was um, basically. If you haven't read the books, to the best of my memory, because it's been a few years, um, the uh, basically people are coming into eternity. The and new Narnia. The new Narnia, right. So if you want to use the Christian imagery of a new heaven and a new earth. And I, I find it very interesting that those who were followers of Aslan are, are welcomed in. And there's this picture of people who were his enemies that they come in and they almost like take a look. And then they kind of frown and turn the other way. And they walk away you know, to a different destination. And there's one person who has been an enemy of Aslan. I don't remember if he even has a name. Do you recall? Um, I, he he does have a name. He does have a name. And he I was don't a, remember it, a servant. Who was Aslan's main enemy in that? I, His I main enemy that people worship, so like a deity, right? a false deity, uh, is Tash. Tash, that's and right. It's, and it's a bird. Okay. It's a bird god. Okay. So one of the servants of Tash yeah. walks in, and he is dumbfounded that Aslan is welcoming him in yeah. to eternity. Yeah. And so take it Gosh, from here. Yeah. Just kind of describe, because okay. I think you probably remember the scene better than I do. Okay, so so the servant of Tash finds himself in New Narnia. He doesn't know where he is. Mm-hmm. And so he's kneeling there, taking in the breathtaking views and the landscape that is around him. The same thing that all the 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 children, Peter, Edmund, and Lucy, are are, are doing with, with the unicorn and the horse and everything. But this guy's sitting there just in awe. He has no idea where he is. And he's off by himself in this little corner of New Narnia. And up comes this huge lion. And Lewis says, when this moment happens, this man knew immediately who the lion was Mm. and he knew that he was in trouble Mm. because he had avoided Aslan his entire life he had heard the legends he'd heard the myths and here for the first time he knows they're all true Mm. and so I'm reading along and I'm going oh and up to this point he's never thought that was true no he is he has always disbelieved in everything that had to do with Aslan he'd never had embraced any of these myths or legends as true or 
uh, worthy of respect and worship. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, Aslan walks up, and I'm thinking it's going to go one way, and Lewis takes it, in my opinion, a total non-Christian way. Okay. And this is why I hate this part so much in Lewis. Um, Aslan walks up, and he says, I know you are a servant of Tash, my enemy. And Aslan gets very angry when he's talking about Tash. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious that he hates... Seems like there's almost a growl in his voice. Yeah, yeah he hates false gods. Mm-hmm. He hates it. But then he talks to this man, and he says, all the good in life that you have ever done, you have really done it to me, though you knew me not. And all the evil that you have done, you have done it to Tash. And so I will render the good as worship to me, and I'll render the evil as worship to Tash. Hmm. Therefore, you are in the new Narnia, and you are with me because of all the good that you have done. Hmm. And he just runs off in the new Narnia into into the quote-unquote heaven Mm -hmm. and lives there forever. And I remember reading that for the first time going, what? Mm -hmm. Because Jesus, in my opinion, was clear. I mean, in verses like John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, Verses like Acts 4, 12, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved than Jesus. And so Jesus is the only way to salvation. Lewis seems to show that there are ways to get to New Narnia outside of worshiping Jesus. And that even if you don't believe in Jesus, if you believe in another God or another deity, a false one, that when you get there, the implication is that Jesus will render all the good that you've done as worship to him and all the evil that you've done as worship to your false god. And therefore, because you've done good to him, he'll let you in. Okay. So now let, let me throw yeah, this in. Yeah, Devil's advocate again, yeah. because I don't I don't know that I disagree with you, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to go a different perspective. Right. Um, okay. When you have, you just said yourself, Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, the life." There's no other way to the Father. Aslan represents who Jesus. Christ is, yes, and yes. Uh, very allegorical, which is why Tolkien, although very good friends with Lewis. <laughs> hated the Narnia story because he hated allegory. It's, hated it's, it. it's a very interesting relationship there. Yeah. Um, does Jesus stop being the way to the Father in eternity? And is it is it up to Jesus to decide in the moments of eternity who he allows to be in and who doesn't? Yes. In my <laughs> See, opinion. Right? It's, and, that's, yeah. and I think that's where, to me, that's where Lewis is going, maybe. And I, I'd, it'd be great to sit down with you at C.S. Lewis at Eternity and yeah. find this out. Because, One day we'll know. And, and exactly. It's kind of like, um, obviously, you know, God gets to decide these matters, you know, on right. all that. Um, but that, I guess when I read it, that was my initial thought when I was looking into it. And I just wondered, I was like, okay, so we're maybe maybe our view of what is our view of heaven even correct like the, the and the thing i mean by that we were talking about yesterday how you worked in and in fact were fired from a christian bookstore which kind of makes which <laughs> yeah. kind of makes you my hero yeah. and so <laughs> because the money's just as green you know it like like you said in, in christian bookstores as other places and and i i don't really have 
I have a few things against some Christian bookstores. It has to do more with what they sell than than what you yeah, know. Yeah, I I, I feel like they should be able to make a living, but some of the stuff. Anyway, that's another discussion. <laughs> but we were talking yesterday of how heaven has almost not almost heaven has become an idol because sometimes it trumps God. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Southern gospel music, for instance, not all Southern gospel. I don't want to make a sweeping generalization. But I grew up hearing a lot of like Southern gospel music that was all about heaven and nothing about God, like this nothing whole about Jesus, this yeah. and and so we've we've almost developed this picture of heaven as it's like Disneyland and it's whatever your 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 best whatever you wanted it to be you know it's like if again let's go back to the food analogy because this is food best so tofurkey much. in the it's world it's the best tofurkey <laughs> you know. Um, the best, what is the the one song by Train? The best sort latte that you ever had in me, or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So we've we've tended to look at heaven like that, and we've tended to look at eternity as um, something that's so distant. And I, I think our um, our perspective is wrong because Jesus Himself tells us, you know, the kingdom is among you. You know, it's it's a present reality right yeah, now. It's like, here and now. And and I always see. The thing that I do like about the Narnia picture is that when eternity begins, it actually begins in the, in the midst of the creation that already is. And yeah. so, like, when the new creation, or maybe we've just called it the recreation, the new Narnia happens. Better word. Yeah, the recreation, recreation yeah. is happening. And I think we, we are, are bad about being Platonists who believe in deism basically saying that the body is separate from the soul in some way yeah. when Jesus has come to save every part and whatever that is the resurrection of the dead and however that works out we, we really have this these I think I like how N.T. Wright says it best when he talks about heaven as we we have signposts signposts pointing into the clouds but we can't none of us have really been there to see this whole picture yet so um, it, it's an interesting exercise in using your imagination, and I think it's good for us to conjecture about heaven, but at the same time, let's never miss the point that heaven is God. And heaven is, eternity is about serving God. And it doesn't, it doesn't stop, it doesn't turn into Disney World and do whatever. The idea of a follower of Christ is regardless like old testament has no view of eternity you know if you look at most of it anyway it's like i will serve god no matter what and we've yeah. we've i've talked to people before that have said if there's no heaven then i wouldn't want to follow jesus i'm like what i i have i've heard <laughs> i've heard christians say in my church i've heard people say that yeah no offense if you're listening now but it's kind of like so you're only doing this because of a prize that you get? <laughs> like, isn't that a little self-serving? And aren't we supposed to be God-serving? So, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's just it's yeah. not Christian. Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, one of the things I told you yesterday, I'll tell you again now, is this is why John Piper is so helpful and people like him because he has over and over and over and over said if Jesus's gifts are treasured over Jesus, Jesus is not treasured. Hmm. And he asked the question in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, it's either in the beginning or the end, mm -hmm. there's tons of glorious things in that book, but he says, if you were to get to heaven and find everything that you've ever wanted, and then he lists like 40 different things, like all the physical, 
pleasures purified that you can ever imagine. The mm -hmm. best food, the best relationships, the best spouse, the best computers, the best technology, the best mm -hmm. anything. Clothing, the best feeling, the best scenery. Mm -hmm. um, and if Jesus weren't there, would you be happy? Mm -hmm. And the Christian heart must answer no. Yeah. But the modern church has cultivated everything in such a way where the answer is yes. Yeah. And it's just it's just not true. And this is why to get to Yeah, yeah, go ahead. To um this is why one of the reasons why I called my blog Pleasing Pain mm -hmm. is because this life is one of pleasing pain and it's not just, just because I like pain. So it's not some. It's not a sadomasochist no. site. No. Let's, let's no. make that clear. And if not you're looking all. for that, that's not this site. Yeah, then. not at all. Uh, David Brainerd is one of my biggest heroes. He was a Puritan missionary to the Native American Indians of New England, and he was almost Jonathan Edwards' son-in-law, because he was engaged to Edwards' daughter Jerusha who nursed him while he had TB, and eventually he died of TB when he was 28 or 29, hmm. my age. By the way, this is Adam's birthday today. Hey, 29 years old, happy birthday today. to you, sir. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But in David Brainerd's diary, this is what he says. Uh, this, is, this is where the name for the blog came from. When I really enjoy God, I feel my desires of Him the more insatiable. My thirsting after holiness the more unquenchable. And the Lord will not allow me to feel as though I were fully supplied and satisfied, but keeps me still reaching forward. I feel barren and empty, as though I could not live without more of God. I feel ashamed as guilty before Him. Oh, I see that law is spiritual, but I am so carnal. I do not, I cannot live to God. This is the part that just jumped out at me. Oh, for holiness. Oh, for more of God in my soul. Oh, this pleasing pain. It makes my soul press hard after God, that I may feel this continual hunger and not be stayed, but rather animated by every cluster from Canaan to reach forward in the narrow way for the full enjoyment and, pos and possession of my heavenly inheritance. Oh, that I may never loiter in my heavenly journey. And so it, it, it's clear. I mean, this is not the modern church. Mm -hmm. I mean, the modern church is, I am a, I, like you said, I'm a Christian. I mean, if there was no heaven. It's your best life now. Your best life right? now, Joel Epstein. <laughs> right? Ugh, make me puke. <laughs> on my birthday, you know? <laughs> I don't mean to make you nauseous on your birthday. Yeah. But, I mean, this shows it. I mean, he loves God so much that it's a pleasing pain for him in this life. Mm. It's pleasing because God is so enjoyable. Mm. And possessing everything that we have in Christ is such a rich reward for us in this life mm. and the life to come. Mm. But it's painful because we're not there yet. Right. And so much of our hearts and souls are still so intertwined with all sorts of sin and so it grieves the Christian heart that we are still so in love with sin and we see the riches in Christ and we've mm. tasted it. Yeah. And so it's a pleasing pain that we want to move forward in this and want to move out 
of our love for what God hates, but we find ourselves there all the time. And and so yeah, it, I, I and I appreciate that the uh, the title of it is pleasing pain because that is a beautiful way to put that. And even last night, it, and it might be just slightly off from his definition, um, but last night in a, a service, Adam spoke about Psalm 13, and in Psalm 13, um, it's it's a lament psalm, and we we noted that something like 60 percent of the psalms are these laments, huge and amount, and they're just crying out to God, and and I think we've lost a lot of that in our church today, and we we have forfeited. Um, because of our theology of, of looking right and because of our theology of trying um, to be squeaky clean trying to be squeaky clean we've we've forfeited the honesty and the truth that has to be there to follow God yeah. and I, I, I honestly believe God would rather have sincere curses than he would um, praises that are that are not true a false you know and, and just so that and and you had mentioned last night, and this goes right along with the pleasing pain, um, in Psalm 13, David or the sons of Korah, the writers, whoever yeah. whoever wrote these words down through this passage, probably David. Um, I mean, it comes to this, it's just heart-wrenching. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? You know, and, and it's not that God's forgotten, but it feels that way sometimes and I've been there and I told you last yeah. night about when I went through my divorce and just yeah. like I lived with these psalms and there was this uh, it was the most crushing pain I've ever known and there was like no place else I could go to put into words than just these psalms you know yeah. and these scripture and so I appreciate that you're bringing this out through your writing through your blogs that you're helping Christians understand uh, it's okay to be people of lament as well because yeah. God wants sincere and, and hearts that are not going to be false. I mean, God deserves and will be praised and, and that, that all goes along with it. But there are just those times that in the sake of honesty, um, sometimes we have to just get up and say, I just don't feel like praising today, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But even so, will I praise him? You know, and, and it's like from the scripture, it's like you've got to press through somehow. And and I've I tell my people sometimes at church, sometimes we have to worship through the pain to get through the pain. You yes. know, and 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 yeah. not to, it doesn't mean the pain doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, it means it does matter. It it hurts so much that there's nowhere else we can turn to in these times than God. And. And sometimes God is more present in his absence than he ever is <laughs> in the joy. You know, I mean, it feels like he's gone, but I've found in my own life that yeah. in those times when I didn't think he was there, he was actually, to to use the metaphor that's overused, the footprints in the sand were his, you know, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. Yeah, So I love that. Well, we're getting uh, low on time, actually, today, because we need to go about other business of the day. But um, I want to, one more time, let listeners know that the, the blog has an email account so if you actually want to 
Uh, is this okay if I give him yeah, your email? Okay, That's awesome. uh, I should have asked you before. <laughs> if you have any questions for Adam, maybe you like what he's writing. Maybe you want to be one that adds your voice to say, "Nope, don't agree," but you know, love you anyway. And and but or I think you want to say your love for Gandalf over Yoda. <laughs> That's right. If you want to say say Yoda would kick Gandalf's uh, runky monkey. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> after uh, you can contact him at pleasingpainblog at gmail dot com. That's pleasing pain blog at gmail.com and you can find his blog once again at adampowers.wordpress.com if that's too much just go to google put in adam powers not austin powers that'll be someone completely different adam powers so um uh, anything else you'd like to share before we wrap this up today i appreciate you taking the time to be on voices in my head today yeah well thanks for having me i would Mm -hmm. like to finish with this um this one quote of Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite Puritans. Um, David Brainerd is almost father-in-law. Okay. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it goes along with everything that we've been talking about. And so I'll, I'll just read it. I'd, I'd love your two cents on it. Sure. Um, this, this is what he says. This, this was in a sermon that he gave um, before he got fired from his church. Hmm. When 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 no one knew who Jonathan Edwards was, and remind listeners what year around this time period. Do you oh remember? Gosh, when this, this was the 18th century, so okay. the 1700s. It was. I mean, right around the time of America's birth. Yeah, you know, I mean, in, th- this was this was before the revolution. Right. Uh, there were still colonies. People were coming over. The Great Awakening was so just about things were, to happen. Things were really, yeah, it was right in that pocket of just yeah. before the Great Awakening. So. Yeah. And so in a sermon, he told his people this. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, or children or even the company of earthly friends, are but shadows. God is the substance. These are the scattered beams. God is the sun. These are only streams. God is the ocean. Hmm. That's beautiful. Well put. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I remember, too, you'd mentioned Jonathan Edwards... Uh, by the way, all I have to say about that is it's it's wonderful. I I love that analogy. It's really good. Um, I don't think I could add anything to it, so yeah. I'm not going to try. <laughs> uh, but wasn't it was it Jonathan Edwards that wrote "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God"? Yes. That, and I remember um, it may have even been him yeah. who made this comment because that's a, a very well known sermon throughout yeah. you know Christianity. Like it, love it, hate it, whatever. Yeah. It's it's just a well known you know sermon, and um, a lot of people really came to the Lord through that you yeah. know his, the ministry of it's Jonathan intense. Edwards. And, and if I recall, there's an image in that sermon of a spider being dangled over you know Flames. a flame of a, of a candle by one web, and, and, one little strand and, of web. Yeah, right. And yeah. this is maybe the reason I bring this up. This is an instance of why it's good to have good dialogue between brothers and sisters in Christ too because I remember someone came up uh, to Jonathan Edwards after that sermon and reminded him and said but don't forget about grace yeah. in the midst of that and I thought yeah. that's a good that's a good addendum to that idea that yeah. this still we are, we are such people in need of grace and you know we could never be good enough 
um, and and God is the one that is the the one that changes and sanctifies and renews and makes us better than we could have been without him for sure <laughs> so it's great well Adam thank you for being on the podcast today yeah, and, I appreciate uh, it thank it's you it's been great to have you as one of the voices in my head was my friend Adam Powers and uh, he is really a great guy and I'm very glad that he could join me on the show today uh, give us some feedback let us know what you think on iTunes you can go to the Voices in My Head uh, page there you can uh, leave us a review I believe on Stitcher uh, you can leave us a review at rickleyjames.com you can leave us a review uh, on the Facebook page Voices in My Head the Rickley James Podcast Facebook page uh, if you haven't done it yet go to that Facebook page click like and you can become a part of our community join the discussion on question of the week uh, give suggestions for the show even debate some things if you want I'd love to hear from you and I do appreciate all your support uh, please go to rickleyjames.com and find out more about what's going on with my ministry I'm trying to book some more concerts now I gotta tell you it's uh, it's hard for you musicians right now and I'm trying to rethink some ways and be creative about how to get uh, more bookings in the coming days so I'm thinking about an idea right now if you are a part of a church or a coffee house or something like that I want to come to your area in this next year, uh, especially with a child on the way. I'm doing my best to uh, to raise funds, and I I don't even want to ask a fee at this point. If it's a if it's a Sunday morning, I I have to ask a fee because there's no way I can make up for uh, missing a Sunday at the church that I work without asking a certain amount. Uh, but that's not astronomical. But if it's another evening, a weeknight, um, a house concert, anything like that, I want to be able to come into your area, especially if you're within like 150 miles of where I live. Uh, I might ask for or maybe gas reimbursement and some sort of a um, of an offering or, or donation something like that but I want to get the the word out and especially with the new album coming out after next month I want to take uh, basement psalms on tour and I, I want to be able to share this and just share what I feel like is uh, some of the heart of the psalms and and why it is the greatest and maybe the oldest worship book that we have as believers so um, sorry we went long a little bit again today but I think uh, you'll agree that it was a good long because Adam had some great things to say. Make sure you go check out his blog. It's uh, it's worth taking time to read. And um, I guess that's it for today. So thank you for being a part of Voices in My Head. Next week uh, is going to be a, a fun, fun week. Uh, I've got Ben DeBono from the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. And I think I forgot to mention in Question of the Week, but the Question of the Week for next week is who is your favorite science fiction character? Uh, if you've never had a chance to listen to the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast, go to iTunes, download it right now. Some of the early episodes start from the beginning and go right through. Uh, you will not be disappointed if you like sci-fi, and especially if you're a believer. But even if you're not a believer, there's plenty on there. Um, that that's worth thinking about, and it's a, a funny show, and it's got. Um, well, I'm just gonna quit talking about it for now, but check it out. Ben DeBono is gonna be my guest. Kind of a dream come true because I get to. It's my way of being a part of the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. So, that's it for now. Oh, and did I mention we're talking Batman: The Dark Knight Rises next week? Oh yeah, that's what it is. Peace out, you guys. Blessings to all of you. I'm Rick Lee James, your host of Voices in My Head. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. 
You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android Marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless. Okay, everybody, this is my very first um, outtake, bonus, whatever you want to call it. It's my terrible impression of Yoda reading from Return of the King by J.R.R. Tolkien. But Aragorn smiled. It will serve, he said. The worst is now over. Stay and be comforted. Then taking two leaves, he laid them on his hands and breathed on them, and then he crushed them, and straight away a living freshness filled the room, as if the air mm-hmm, itself awoke and mm-hmm, tingled, sparkling with joy, and then mm-hmm, he cast leaves into the boughs of steaming water that were once brought to him, and at once hearts were lightened, and now I will stop being Yoda, and I will start being Grover. Mm-hmm, up the stairs, down these stairs. But Aragorn stood as one refreshed, and his eyes smiled as he held a bowl before Faramir's dreaming face. Mmm. Book, good it is. Mmm.